Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. And on tonight's program, Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners looks at should you buy now before reporting season in the US and in Australia or wait till reporting season shows you what these companies are doing. The thrill seeker moves earlier. The uh, more patient and cautious investor will wait to actually see what's going on. Adam comes up with three companies he would suggest is probably good buying right now, and two he, that he really wants to sell. Then S.T. Wong of Prime Value. He uh, looks at why he likes JB Hi-Fi and CSL right now, and why he wants to exit Amcor, which is a company he's always liked, but he thinks is probably priced on the high side right now. Then Paul Rickard looks at this ANZ uh, deal to buy Suncorp and how there's going to be a rights issue and whether it's a, a good deal for ANZ shareholders to participate. And then Paul and I look at uh, 10 stocks that we think should be in every portfolio. We looked at it late, uh, late last week, but we think it's a, a, a story that most people should at least consider when they can uh, take a real hard look at their portfolio to see whether these stocks really should be in there. So that's the show. Let's kick off now with Adam Dawes of Shore & Partners. Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pete. It's great to be here. Mate, before I start talking about, for example, ANZ big in the news and also Whitehaven Coal as well, uh, to see what you guys are thinking about those two companies. Let's just take the, the, the bigger issue that some people might be uh, toying with. Uh, and I know I've written a story today for the Switzer Report showing there's at least 10 reasons why you might be optimistic that things are starting to change. Uh, and even though I personally believe the December quarter will be the one where we'll see a more substantial turnaround in stocks. I could be wrong, but that's my best guess. But the thrill seeker might be saying to themselves, well, reporting season's coming out in the US, and we saw City on Friday night, it reported really well and shot up over 13%, uh, Wells Fargo up 6.5%. Does the thrill seeker take the punt of investing before reporting season, both here in the US and in August in, the, in Australia, on the basis that some companies, some really good companies, have been smashed up uh, probably to ridiculous extents, do we take a punt beforehand? Or do you, is, the, is the cautious investor going to wait and say, well, I might miss the first 5 or 7% of a turnaround, but I'd rather make sure these companies are actually doing well? Over to you. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a long-winded question, but no, I totally understand where you're coming from as well because basically at the end of the day, um, you know, an investor that is a little bit of a thrill seeker will probably be willing to take some kind of risk coming into that reporting season. And really, you'd be looking for that confession session that we just had for those earnings calls to potentially allow some of those stocks that you might look at and go, okay, there might be some further upside to that, you know, going forward. And there's, there's, it's few and far between, and certainly something like the tech sector, which has been absolutely belted uh, going forward as you say, might not be this this half or this this reporting season, but closer to the sort of the December uh, report or, or that area where they will start to look good. I think the thrill seeker, if you're wanting to do that, I would put half of my position in now and then I would wait for the result and then I would look for another half of a, or, or to finish off that position if it does work out in your favour. Mm. I think for the people that are a little bit more conservative, absolutely wait for the result 
as you say, they might miss out on the first five, maybe even 10%, but we know then the earnings are moving in the right direction and we know that they're potentially in an upgrade cycle. Never buy a stock in a downgrade cycle. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that and certainly in some of those ones, but certainly some of those tech stocks that are out of favour. A classic one is Megaport at the moment, MP1. But a lot of clients in that were hurting at the moment. But I uh, spoke to a couple of analysts uh, this morning and they're very confident that that will continue and that should start to continue to move looking forward as far as with some relationships with Cisco and those kinds of things. So mm. we, we have started to see some green shoots in the technology space, but I think it's just going to take a little bit longer. So for the brave, yes, but half of your position. For those ones that are willing to or not so risk or, or are risk averse, then I would wait until the result to get a, a to get a good figure. And sometimes the result is actually quite good, mm. but the market then discounts that, and that's your opportunity then to get in as well. So there's certainly uh, there's um, yeah there's uh, horses for courses. Yeah, An intriguing uh, revelation I came up with today um, because both Paul Rickard and I have been big supporters of CSL, particularly when it was around about two dollars fifty or two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and it's had a nice yeah. a nice rebound. And I, just for interest's sake, I, I looked to see when it started to make its um, improved share price. And that was June 17. And I look, then looked and thought, we, I said, well, a lot of people were saying, like in America, a healthcare stock is defensive, but here CSL has acted like a tech stock. It was smashed with all the tech stocks. Yeah. Well, you, know, you know what date the S&P 500 started to rebound? June 17. 17th yeah. right, and, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's just interesting that Maybe, and we're probably, if you're looking at quality tech stocks, have probably started to sneak up under the radar screen. And, and CSL has also benefited from the fact that healthcare stocks have started to improve. But that's going to be interesting to see whether we see some quality tech stocks make, make a bit of a, a move higher over the next few months. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because it, it, it is one of the sectors that obviously NASDAQ down 30%. Uh, you know, it's one of those sectors that has really been hit hard. And, you know, we, we potentially say that there's value in this, you know, there, there's value in this space. Uh, but it just takes a, a, maybe one of the bigger ones, Zero, Megaport, um, you know, those kinds of businesses, uh, Tyro, to, to, to sort of turn the ship around and, and, and get a bit of green shoots there. Then the rest of the sector starts to follow as well. So we saw Wise Tech the other day get a little bit of an upgrade yep. and catch a little bit of a bid. Um, so I think that the, the better quality businesses will do well in that space and and will will shine. It's the ones that you know uh, that might be a little bit not cash generating or those kinds of things that are going to still languish. Yeah. But definitely always for investors, for my investors, it's always st stick with the quality because that is where you're going to get your most bang for your buck at the start of a, a recovery rally. Yeah, CSL is a case in point. Let's go now to ANZ. What's Sean Partners saying about, is this, is this a, a good deal? Do you, do you take up the rights? Uh, yes, I think you do take up the rights. I think you, you well, it's a non, it's a pro rata, non-renounceable rights issue. So you can sell them on market if you, mm. if you don't want to take them up. I, I would definitely be taking them up through uh, the offer that ANZ is going to put out. It's quite a good discount to market. The stock's not going to come back on trading until the 21st of July. So we've got a couple of days to sort of have a look at that. Um, what does it mean for ANZ? ANZ is obviously their home loans have certainly languished over the last uh, six to even 12 months. So if they do buy Suncorp Bank, 
then that will then allow them to uh, basically get back to evens from back till 2018. So it, it's actually quite a good move for them to acquire that. Obviously, you've got integration risk, which you've got to be careful of. And there's not really much talk about this, but I'm, I'm sort of going to raise the question on the ACCC. Will they allow this to go through? Because it is definitely lessening competition. So I'm a little bit cautious as to, I mean, ANZ's obviously done the work. And, mm. you know, last week they were going to buy MYOB. Now they're, now they're buying Suncorp Bank. Mm. They're on a roll. Uh, I don't know what's happening with MYOB now. But mm. look, certainly uh, the bank or Suncorp Bank, they think that that's going to be a, a great acquisition. But I'm a little bit concerned about the ACCC. I'd want to get some clarity around that before mm. I would put my clients' bids in to take up those rights. Yeah. Some people thought they were hopping mad to buy MYOB, but I think they're just shopping mad. <laughs> they're on the lookout for anything <laughs> they can buy. All right, let's go to uh, yeah. Whitehaven, Carl. You got a bit of a take on that? Yeah, look, it, it, it looks fantastic. Um, you know, um, they've, they've come up with their quarterly today, but, but most analysts have been really caught on the on the short side of this one due to the fact that they they're, they're, anyone is in their numbers basically down by about 20%. So we're going to see some constant. We're going to see some really big upgrades in the market this afternoon or tonight uh, when analysts start putting their numbers through, and we'll start to see that coming through. So Whitehaven touched six dollars today. Uh, it's been a cracker of a stock. They've got a lot of cash. That cash is then going to continue to get, but one, payback to shareholders, but two, they might be looking for some acquisitions. The whole coal sector is moving in the right direction. China turned around the other day and said, "Well, we might. We're going to lift our tariff." on coal stocks, Whitehaven doesn't sell anything to China. So that's been one of their biggest things that they've said that we don't need China. We, we sell our coal to everyone else in the world. But I think that 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 tailwind that China's turned around and said, we're going to lift that ban because they know that in their winter time, they suffered last winter, they need our coal to get going through, which is just going to keep the Met coal price higher. And that that's the one that has languished uh, and all of the other types of coal that are out there. But Whitehaven looks really great. It's a massive cash cow. This thing, if it does get upgrades, and I think around about 20% earnings upgrades, it's six bucks. You could definitely see a seven in front of it uh, on this one. So look, it looks good. The 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 the, uh, the the winds are behind the sale on this one, and I think uh, with earnings upgrades, that's just a it's it's a lay down that you should have some kind of coal exposure in your portfolio. Okay, now you guys, you know, when you got nothing to do, if that's ever the case. <laughs> You're on the lookout. <laughs> You're looking out for 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 one really good idea for the week, at least. I'm sure you do. What 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 is the the yep. really good idea for the week? The really good idea for the week. Okay, so there's there's a, there's a couple of things. I'll, I'll do I'll do one on the sell side and one on the buy side. Yeah. One on the sell side is is that basically um, you know there's there's two sell sell sides one is that there's a very crowded trade in amcor at the moment everyone's hiding in that place because it's very defensive yeah and it needs and it's the right place to be but that one's just been defying gravity and and potentially if there's some issues going around or some growth now starts to come back amcor is going to get really sort of belted really hard i love the business love it love the company mm. but a sell side you know you could take some profits there the other sell side one is endeavor group Again, it's a little bit off today, but this thing's been absolutely defying gravity compared to the rest of the market. I'm taking some profits in that one. I think that that, uh, you know, that could come back down to sort of low sevens or even even lower, and then we could pick that one up again. So mm. there's the two sort of sell sides that I'm looking at or sort of opportunities that have sort of defied gravity. 
On the buy side, uh, yeah, I, there, there, there's been a lot of talk about Next DC. NXT is the stock code. Um, they are going to print some really good numbers uh, going forward. They've been hit hard, one on, a, on, on uh, the, the overall data set, but the electricity costs and margins that are going to get squeezed on that one. I think this one should do quite well. I'm going to start to look at putting that into clients' portfolios. That's a bit of technology, a bit of property, data centres, and I think that's something that uh, is, is, is being beaten down but is a good quality business, and that would be a great buy yeah. down here for a longer-term buy yeah. for clients. And I guess if tech makes a comeback, and I suspect it will some, sometime later this year, uh, yeah. DC will be a, an easy buy. Mate, thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. Pleasure, mate. That's Adam Dawes of Sure and Partners. Well, joining me now is St. Wong of uh, Prime Value Fund, and I want to catch up and see how he's viewing investing right now. Good to see you, St. Morning, Pete. All right, mate, let's just run through uh, the way you're seeing the market right now. Um, are, we, are we trying to bottom or is that bottoming of this, of this market sell-off still a, a way to go? Look, Peter, I think we are in the bottoming process and I kind of um, put, it, it put the phases into three buckets. Uh, bucket one or phase one is we've gone through a, a large derating process and that was the last you know six months we're currently in the earnings adjustment process which uh, will introduce um, some ideas or options in the market and we'll touch on that uh, shortly but um, the market's coming to terms with perhaps uh, uh, lowering earnings expectations for the year or two ahead and we're in this phase where there's a lot of adjustment going through and a lot of, i guess a lot of fact finding and which makes the Reporting season quite important from where I sit um, as to where I guess uh, directionally I think where the market will go into the next uh, 12, 24 months. And the final phase I think really is the real opportunity to uh, dip my money into the market, um, especially I think going to the uh, last quarter of this calendar year. So December quarter I think would be really interesting from, from my perspective. So that's how I've kind of rationalized the market movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, into three buckets and kind of, uh, you know, move to that or um, build a framework around my thinking. Of course, Pete, it's, it's really all about interest rates and central banks. Um, and at this point, it's hard to judge uh, where the central banks will, will end up where rates are concerned. But I think we are going through the bottoming up process. And I think we probably, you know, I can't discount another leg down, but I suspect we may be two thirds away uh, past the worst or the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, and I think there's probably some options going forward. Yeah. I had a look at the, the numbers today, which I was intrigued about. Um, the S&P 500, was, I think at its worst, was around down 23%. And it's now down about 16%. So it's about a 7% recovery. And that happened on June 17. And similarly, CSL started to recover on June 17, and it's had a pretty, pretty significant pullback. And of course, in America, a health fund, a health company is a defensive play, but CSL is more a growth stock, and it's, it's kind of, but it's like a, a, a tech stock that is much more reliable than a tech company. So I'm not surprised that it's rebounded 
in the same way, in a bigger uh, way, that June 17, does June 17 mean anything to you? Um, interesting, I was probably thinking about June 20, so we're not far off in that mm. time frame, yeah. right? So um, CSL is, is one stock uh, I've been building a position in for the last couple of months, so incrementally building my position. Um, uh, yeah, look, the, the valuation is probably more akin to, I guess, a tech stock, as you point out, is probably about uh, 30 times earnings, but I think really, uh, when you look through the earnings, which um, you know we have to because 20, FY22 and 23 has been quite depressed years for CSL because of lockdowns in the US. And as the re as the economy reopens, you know um, to some extent, um, the earnings will rebound into FY24. So when we begin to look a little bit further out, I think CSL looks a really interesting stock. And don't forget. Um, it just entered into acquisition for this company called Vifa, which we probably talked about in the last six months. And that, I think, will give it the longer-term growth opportunity that uh, CSL uh, should have in the medium to long term, you know, three, four years out in that sense. Okay. So again, CSL share price been depressed, building a position last couple of months. Okay. The, the first bucket you talked about, we know there's been re-rating and some people have been shocked at the at the severity of the re-rating. Let's get to your second bucket, namely the earnings adjustment um, and how you're, you're seeing stocks as a consequence. Sure. I think we need to play it between valuations and um, you know, earnings expectations. Let me give you some live examples. For example, mm. uh, uh, consumer discretion has been one which has been derated significantly. Um, and I think we're trying to work out what, what does earnings expectations look look like the next 12 to 24 months and kind of jb hi-fi fits fits into that bucket really well mm. you know derated because of concerns of interest rates affecting the property market consumer discretionary spending perhaps softening uh into the next 24 months and today uh jb hi-fi is trading at 12 times earnings which i think is really cheap um especially in the medium term so the company has been derated because of interest rates property market, consumer spending. So even if we locked off 30% of uh, JB Hi-Fi's uh, earnings on, on a single year, next 12 months, for example, it's still going to trade about mid-teens, which I think for a quality company, given a strong management, very exceptional balance sheet, and really number one uh, electronics retail in, 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 in Australia, and has really good um, mattresses against its comms in, 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 in the global market. I think at 15 times, that's pretty decent. So I can't discount JB Hi-Fi's uh, share price, you know, taking another 10, 15% uh, step downward. I think in the medium term, two or three years time, I think mm. I'll be pretty comfortable to say that I should be ahead of with a company like JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, and it pays a reasonable dividend as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, so cash is probably not a concern. Mm. Uh, you know, debt is not a concern. Uh, so from that perspective, you know, I think a company like JB Hi-Fi, where I've got the confidence of a strong backing in balance sheet and management, I think it will work through the cyclical downturn that we're undergoing at the moment. Okay, so remind us what the third bucket is and tell us the, the kinds of companies that have um, come onto your radar screen. I think once we get through this, this derating process, an earnings adjustment process. I think the third bucket is really about how the economy recovers post 
um, the the uh, the rise in interest rates. And with okay. that expectation, uh, that there will be companies that we want to avoid and actually buy into. Uh, I'm just going to bring up two companies as an example to emphasize my point. Uh, with the third bucket, with the potential recovery in the economy, post interest rates, I probably will be wanting to sell companies such as Amcor. Um, held up really well the last 24 months. In fact, I'm actually making quite a bit of money on Amcor at the moment. Solid company, nothing wrong with the company, but I want to be able to recycle some of my capital into companies such as uh, James Hardy, which is a global manufacturer of uh, building products. Um, at the moment, share price is probably off about 40% since its peak in October, November last year, where it has undergone a derating. And by the time we get to the third bucket, perhaps in December quarter, uh, a lot of the earnings expectations would have been adjusted, perhaps downwards. Um, and I would have a much stronger base to begin to build a stronger position in companies like James Hardy because of the cyclical nature of this company. So, so just to put some context into what I want to, you know, be selling perhaps and also be buying into for the medium to long term. Mm. Are there any other companies that you think, see, I, I totally agree with you, uh, ST, a story I wrote today confirmed that I think the December quarter could be really interesting for a stock's turnaround. Um, I, I, I figure a lot of the inflation concerns will be starting to dissipate. I, can, I think also that maybe the interest rate cycle, at least for, that, for the moment, will, get, will go on to a bit of a pause. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see third quarter, uh, fourth quarter, December quarter, looking really good. Um, so given that, what other companies do you think might be really well positioned to benefit you know, from uh, the, the rebound, the economic improvement expectations that might come around in the December quarter? Sure. Um, another company which I've been uh, putting some money into incrementally is a company called IDP Education. The ticket code is IEL. Um, it undertakes uh, English language testing um, services across the globe, but also student placements into countries such as Canada, the UK, the US, and also, also Australia for students wanting to take uh, undergraduate uh, studies or graduate studies. So that's one another company which I think will benefit from a rebound in, uh, I guess, what, first of all, uh, equity market sentiment improving, but certainly as economies reopen, um, I think the this company, IDP Education, will be a prime beneficiary of that rebound as well. It undertook a large acquisition about 12 months back uh, in the form of uh, an English language testing uh, service in the in, in India uh, from the British Council. And we think it will be able to build on that platform into the very strong Indian market. So um, it is one where you know, it's probably less sensitive to economic factors already in train are uh, really strong structural factors, but as the market sentiments lift, I think the market will probably gravitate back to companies where there are good, strong growth pro profiles in companies such as IDP education. Mm. Well, <coughs> one last thing before you go, uh, banks. Banks have been sold off. Um, if, you, if you think that uh, December quarter could usher in a reasonable 2023, and maybe the interest rate rise cycle is on hold at least for a while. Do you see any, any future for the banks doing well? 
Uh, look, you know, Pete, I think the banks will move in line with the markets uh, broadly. Um, the earnings expectations for the banks are probably somewhat lukewarm in a sense that mortgage loans will probably be, you know, be anemic at best. Uh, they might get a, a little bit of a margin uplift from high interest rates. But Pete, you know, the competition in the market is really, really strong. Um, I think the, the final point I make on the banks is that the valuations of the, the banks have been re-rated fairly high at this juncture. So despite the stock price coming back in the last two months, I think the valuations are still quite expensive at this juncture. So I'm probably in the camp where I'll be waiting for a better entry point uh, where the banks are concerned uh, before getting a bit more excited on the second term. Great stuff. ST, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. That's ST Wong from Prime Value. In a bit of a surprise, ANZ has put its hand up to buy the banking arm of Suncorp, which we all knew was on the market. But ANZ, Paul, coming in, a bit of a surprise? In a way, Peter, because I think uh, we knew the potentially was on the market, but Bendigo Bank's always been considered to be the favourite. And last week, the market's talk was all about uh, ANZ and MYOB, and, and mm. ANZ actually issued a statement saying that they were looking at it and mm. uh, talk about $4.5 billion, and the market gave that pretty much the thumbs down. Yes, so right. The market was quite relieved that this morning when um, uh, the acquisition of the Suncorp Bank was announced, they killed off uh, the MYOB deal. So that's now off the agenda. Yep. Yeah, okay. So tell us what this means. We, the amount is they're, they're going to have a capital raise of 3.5 bill to cover a cost of... Yeah, they're paying $4.9 billion yeah. for, for Suncorp, which is, look, it, it's a pretty high premium. It's about uh, a model of about 13.9 times their current uh, current mm. earnings. Yeah. That compares to ANZ's current model of about 10.5. So on paper, at least, it's, they're paying a premium yeah. uh, compared to where they're trading at the moment. Um, so the price, I think, is probably going to be considered to be fairly full, but uh, from the ANZ point of view, you know, it's yeah, uh, you know, it's back to its knitting. It it, it it increases its scale in the Queensland market yeah. from something like fifteen percent of uh, its loans up to nineteen percent. You know, a lot more growth potentially in Queensland. Queensland's a growing state, so yeah. it gets ANZ back up to sort of market neutral yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Queensland. You know, it gives it uh, increases the, the proportion of the ANZ bank that's in more traditional retail banking and commercial banking, which is considered to be good. Mm. Uh, and I guess the market's going to say, well, you know, they've made a few commitments with Queensland, uh, with the government about branches, but they probably can't get this wrong. We knocked the price down last week because of MYOB. This is probably going to be a net positive, I think. Okay, so. How are shareholders affected? Yes, yeah, so the shareholders, $4.9 billion is the purchase price. ANZ is raising $3.5 billion in capital. Mm. I'll use some of the existing money it's got on hand to pay for it. Uh, that $3.5 billion is through a 1 for 15 uh, renounceable entitlement issue. And so shareholders have three choices. They can, they can take up the, the, the entitlement. In other words, they'll be able to buy a new um, ANZ shares at a price of $18.90, mm -hmm. and that's about a 12% discount to where they were trading on Friday, uh -huh. and about a 12% discount or just just less of it of, to what's called the uh, theoretical X rights price. Mm -hmm. uh, that's option one. Option two is they can sell their entitlements on the ASX. Mm -hmm. They'll start trading as early as, as Thursday. What, what will they sell for, Paul? 
Well, it'll it'll basically be the difference between the eighteen dollars ninety and the ANZ share price. Mm. Uh, normally, with rights issues, uh, share prices come down because yeah. they're raising more capital at a lower price. Mm. But I think this is going to do pretty well. So I'll come to that in a okay. sec. So the second choice would be to sell that on market on the on the ASX or trade under the code of ANZR. Well, the third choice, Peter, is they could do nothing, in which case you know their entitlements would be auctioned and they'll get any sort of premium over over the value when they get auctioned. So, mm, uh, okay. But look, I, I would tell you most people are probably going to take up their rights. That's what the bank is. Yeah. Uh, so I, if I've got 150 shares, how many potentially might, might I get? Yes, yeah, so if you own 150 ANZ shares, you'll get 10. Yeah, one, um, one for 15. Yeah, one yeah. for 15 new, new rights. And you'll be able to buy new ANZ shares at $18.90. And you've got to about the middle of August to pay for them. So mm. um, you know, you'll get an offer document and be able to download that. Now, you might say, why do I think the market will like this transaction? Well, I, I did mention earlier on, Peter, that I thought they were paying a pretty big price. Mm, yeah. uh, and, you know, they've promised a whole lot of integration benefits, but those integration benefits are going to take six years to deliver. And that's because, you know, it's going to take a year before the actual deal completes. Mm. And then a year, sort of two to four, they've got to integrate their systems. Yeah. And they're going to keep Suncorp Bank and they're going to keep it branded Suncorp Bank. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that. Yeah, good question. Uh, and the so Queensland is like Queensland. Queensland like, and, and they've agreed a whole lot of uh, commitments with the Queensland government. Yeah. So there's going to be no net loss of staff in Queensland. Yeah. There's going to be no closure of, bra of branches in Queensland. There's going to be more money to help Queensland with things like the Olympic infrastructure and a few other things. So yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of very pro-Queensland stuff here. It's unusual so, for the state of Queensland to insist on those sorts of things, Paul. So in doing those sort of things, it's pretty hard to drive, to, to drive integration benefits, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, so they're not going to happen until years five and six. So you could say, okay, they're paying all this money. They're buying it on a multiple, which is greater than their trading multiple at the moment. Uh, they really can't do much to drive benefits for mm. till years five and six. Uh, why do you think it's a good deal? Well, as I said, I think the market's going to say, well, first of all, this is a lot better than NYOB, yep. and we sold it down on the basis of that. Uh, two is this is ANZ back to its knitting. This is going to make leapfrog it to being number three in mortgages and yeah. number three in... Uh, Suncorp had a pretty good loan book linked to mortgage brokers. Yeah, too, so it, Suncorp's but? got a good book. So, yeah. you know, this will help the ANZ. Yeah. Um, thirdly, you know... With, with systems, there will be some integration benefits down the track. Yeah. And fourthly, um, ANZ is super cheap. Now, it actually put out... A, 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 well, you, so, you've been bagging it for nearly a Well, I have, years. and that's, they've been a terrible bank. But yeah. they're now so cheap, and last week was sort of the final nail on the coffin, Peter, yeah, because they, got, they went down about 5% when the rest of the market went up a little bit, yeah. simply on the MYOB fear. Um, ANZ actually released quite an encouraging third quarter trading update today, which came with the announcement. And that showed revenues up 5% in the quarter. Mm. And also, that's mainly of impact of margins, better net interest margin, mm. but also you know, a little bit of volume increase. So they didn't go backwards. They actually grew their, their loan book. Yep. They grew their mortgage book and they grew their business in New Zealand. Um, they held costs largely flat. And hey, presto, there are no bad debts. You know, mm. <laughs> despite all the fears about bad debts are going to come from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so the market's going to like that trading update. ANZ is so cheap. It's the cheapest of any of the banks of multiples. Mm. I think this is going to be really well supported. So despite the fact that, you know, the market's going to say, yeah, okay, full price, mm. integration benefits, yeah, they're down the track, you know, in the never-never, I put it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, eventually they'll get there and this is probably going to get a good reception. So I think institutions will support it the next couple of days mm. and when you get your entitlement offer, 
Uh, it's a chance for you to support. And do they increase their size in terms of the big four? Uh, they'll still be number... Well, they'll be close. Yeah. It'll, it'll be close. They'll be number three in mortgages mm. and number three in, uh, in deposits. Still number four in business banking. So mm. I guess the NAB is still going to be marginally bigger than... But there's not the difference now is pretty small, um, and so it's clearly you know CBA, then Westpac, and then ANZ NAB, sort yeah. of neck and neck, um, <clears throat> and maybe they'll be able to say they're not the smallest. I'm just not sure how that plans out. Okay, that's Paul Rickard looking at ANZ, and we're going to now go to a little interview Paul and I did on the ten stocks we think that should be in a portfolio, which we did last week, but we think we should share with you tonight. Hello and welcome to Switzer TV, I'm Peter Switzer. And today we want to look at a 10 core stock portfolio of really great quality companies. And because the market has been really been beaten up, it's probably a good buying opportunity of these great quality companies. Let's kick off, Paul. Let's start with my favourite stock, uh, CSL, Peter. And yeah. probably important to put it in context, we've gone for stocks across all the sectors. Yeah. Uh, and what I'd describe as real blue chips, or at least, you know, CSL's the number one and yeah. uh, leader in the healthcare company sector. Uh, fantastic return if you bought an original um, IPO back in 1994, but today getting back up towards $300, yeah. I reckon it's got to be in any portfolio. And what, you, what you're going to see is with these companies, even when they sell off, it's usually a buying opportunity because they do make rebounds. Yep. Let's go to the next one, Paul. Okay, so one of the banks. Yep. Uh, we've got from National Australia Bank. The other one, I think, obvious one was Commonwealth Bank, but maybe it's a little bit expensive. But yeah. uh, you can see National Australia Bank, it's back in the, up near towards $30. Look, had a dip, obviously, with COVID in 2020, as did all the banks. But uh, I think the current CEO is doing the right thing, and yep. this is a company that's, uh, that's set to do a lot better. So I think yep. you've got to have a bank in your portfolio. Yeah. I'd be going for National Australia Bank at the moment. Yep, without a doubt. Uh, another bank, different sort of bank. This is an investment bank, Macquarie. Uh, it's an international bank because more than half its income now comes from outside Australia. That chart tells you everything you want to know about Macquarie. Yeah. And uh, it's pulled back quite nicely to around about $170. And an important point you should be watching also with these companies, when they get sold off, it's invariably a good buying opportunity to get into them. Okay. Uh, BHP is the fourth stock. Uh, I think Australia's best mineral, best miner, mm. uh, because it's got a really diversified asset mix of iron ore, uh, nickel, um, uh, copper, and soon to be things like potash. So it's got sort of the, the diversified. Yeah, isn't it? it's diversified. Really great assets, uh, and it have paying fantastic dividends. Very disciplined yeah. in the last few years in terms of shareholder returns. Peter, yeah, the dividends have been fantastic recently. Uh, I think you can't if you're an Australian and have running an Australian portfolio, you can't have not have a better company like BHP in your portfolio. Without a doubt. Uh, the fifth stock is is Woodside. Now, again, fantastic. Woodside's one of been those companies that's always been going to do great things. Mm. Maybe now it's starting to do great things because it's now got BHP's, well, the former assets, the former oil assets of BHP. Uh, it's got control of pretty much what's going on in the, the Northwest Shelf and yeah. the Scarborough project. Certainly benefited from the, the increase in oil and gas prices following yeah. the Ukraine war, but uh, a long way to go to get back. It was did trade in the high 40s uh, mm. about a decade ago, but I think, you know, yeah. it's doing the right thing. And, and, and energy has a strong outlook, for the, at least for the next four or five years. I think years. given what's happened in Ukraine and the situation in Russia, I think yeah. energy's going to be okay for the next uh, several years. So this yeah. is the, co the company I'd select out of our energy companies. Yep. Uh, Telstra is another stock. Now, that chart, last five years, it's been trading between 3 and $4. Mm. 
not so much a growth stock, but they are finally growing earnings, yeah. uh, which has been really what the current CEO has been trying to do. So mm. we've had positive earnings growth there for the first time in more than a decade. Yeah. Uh, pretty reliable, very steady, good dividend payer, uh, number one in its, in its sector, and uh, I yeah. don't think you... And you can see how it comes out of sell-offs very, very strongly. Yep. I, I don't think you can go wrong with, with, with Telstra. Uh, JB Hi-Fi is probably a bit more radical because it's not in the top 20 stocks, right? No. But it, you and I believe it to be Australia's best retailer. Mm. I think anyone who goes there has that experience. Uh, retailing is always higher risk because you get into uh, concerns about you know, the economy and consumers and are they going to mm. buy the latest category of, of TV or whatever it is. But JB Hi-Fi has proved uh, time in, time out, despite the threats of Amazon and all the other people mm. that were going to eat its lunch, mm. uh, that it's right up there. So yeah. uh, I think that chart tells you a lot about uh, the market's assessment of yeah. JB Hi-Fi. And Hi-Fi. we've found poor, it often gets sold off before reporting, it then impresses the reporting, and, and the stock price takes And off. it pays a great dividend yield because they don't need to invest and have a lot of capital on hand, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a high turnover business, so yep. they don't keep a lot of stock and they don't, you know, apart from... They only need capital to really buy more stores, more, more space. Mm. Uh, so it basically whatever it earns, it throws back to shareholders uh, as dividends and uh, pays a pretty high and consistent dividend yield. Yep. The next stock is probably not yet in the blue chip category, no. but given what's happening in, in rare earths and, uh, and that whole, you know... Smartphones, digital yep. e- equipment, all that stuff. I think Linus is starting to demonstrate that it is in that category, and probably if you say one stock for the future, uh, mm. that would be Linus. So, mm. look, that, that graph tells you the market's um, really been behind it. Okay, it's not up near $12, it's come back below 8 and mm. that's maybe providing some value. Maybe it can go a bit lower. Mm. This is the one where you probably want to be a bit less exposed to because yeah. it's higher risk. Yeah. But I think this is an area that you've got to say it's got all the tailwinds and yeah. Linus are starting to prove that uh, it's got the capacity to deliver. Yeah. Uh, Goldman Group is on the property side. Um, you know, a fantastic company uh, in terms of how it's been run and what it's delivered for shareholders. Uh, fantastic assets, international in its outlook in terms of... Uh, where it runs property and property management businesses and funds management businesses. Unquestionably, Australia's leading um, real estate company, so that's Goodman Group. And Paul, it's a bit like the picks and shovels of a, gold, of a gold rush. These guys are in warehousing and logistics as well, and that's the future as people buy more and more stuff online. Yep. And the final company just coming on the tech theme, yep. uh, and I think this is probably the best of Australia's locally listed tech stocks. I mean, you might put Atlassian in that category if yeah. you're the best Australian tech Maybe REA, maybe. And REA in some categories, mm. but, you know, this is zero. Um, great, and it's a, probably more a New Zealand company than it is an Australian Let's company. Let's call it Aussie. Let's call it an Australasian <laughs> company. Uh, yeah. But uh, we all know the software. The accountants love it. Consumers love it. It's being able to increase its prices, Mm. Uh, and grow share. So uh, I think that this is a company, uh, look, at the moment that not putting a lot of cans, it's reinvesting what it's got, so you mm. have to back the idea that you can continue to grow, but Zero has demonstrated that, and I think there's great value around about yeah. $80. And it's the kind of company that might surprise in reporting season that what the market thought and what the company's actually doing in terms of profit and revenue could be actually very interesting. Yep. Okay, so that's our view on 10 top companies to put into a portfolio at a time when the stock market is really giving a lot of companies a lot of problems. Thanks for joining us on Switzer TV. That's the show for this week. I look forward to seeing you again on Thursday. If you want to see what our experts are thinking about other stocks, have a look at switzerreport.com.au. Once again, see you on Thursday.